At ITP, we come from different countries all over the world, speak different languages, and consider different ideas. We, we are, are architects, architects, dancers, mathematicians, mathematicians and artists, artists of every, of every kind. kind. For some reason, we all ended up here. From the fourth floor at Tisch, we bring you individual stories about makers and thinkers of ITP as we all learn, create, and of course, occasionally fail. Join us this semester as we go beyond the 10-second class intro. Okay, my name is Akmurat Suhanovich Tuyuliev, and in Turkmen it's Akmurat Suhanovich Tuyuliev. Does that mean anything it significant? It does. My first name, so Ak means white, like the color, um, but in my name it actually means more like a rays of light, and then Marat means a dream or a wish, so Akmurat means um, like very well-intentioned dreams. Hmm, that's yeah. really sweet. What's a project that's like really drives you that you want to contribute to or you want to what's a story you want to tell or what's an experience you want somebody to have based on what you can create to answer one of the questions which is what kind of stories do you want to tell and who do you want to connect with um i really want to connect with children i think children are so interesting you know they um they're so imaginative and they kind of see things the way they are and they might not have assumptions or you know, so it's it's interesting to kind of work with them. And then, or they might see something and they make their own kind of interpretation for it. So you can give a kid, like, a line and they'll just make a world out of it. It's so interesting. Yeah. So I, I really want to kind of connect with kids and also tell stories for kids. I feel like in, in this day and age, entertainment is... It's not the best for kids, I feel like. It's it's so flashy. It's just kind of get the kids to be in front of the TV or whatever it is, or video games. Right not so much meaningful or something that could maybe educate them or move them forward. So I want to tell stories for kids that are meaningful. And and I grew up with so many meaningful stories myself, actually. I grew up with almost no TV and n- absolutely no video games. Um, I, I grew up with my parents telling me stories and reading books and stuff. And growing up with Turkmen fairy tales and legends and those are so unique I, I still haven't seen any animations or there are so many movies that are being remade and remade and I feel like they, there are so many stories that I have right. that I I feel obligated to share them so so I'm looking forward to that and then going to the question about experiences I really want to kind of create a new experience where watching a movie is a dialogue where um, it's not just a one-sided like here watch my movie and if you don't like it you can leave or <laughs> if you like it stay cool whatever mm-hmm. I don't care you know um, no it should be a, it should be a communication it should be between and it, maybe it's not a screen I was gonna say maybe it's between the screen and the person but right. it, maybe it's not a screen maybe right. it's it's more of an immersive experience and I feel like we have the technology to do that we can do all these sensor, you know, detection, whatever. We can we can measure heart rate. We can see where your eyes are moving, and we can see how you know how fast are you breathing, or mm-hmm. like getting all that data and then incorporating into that story and making that drive the story. It, that's what's interesting to me, and kind of putting my audience at the center of my media, and really you know, not finishing the movie in post-production, but finishing the movie when the person finishes watching it. So I'm extending the collaborative process to my audience. And I that's kind of where I want to go 
and explore and that's kind of the experience that I would like to achieve. Um, cool. I, I'm really curious. Uh, you mentioned some of the like fairy tales from your past. Is there one that really kind of jumps out at you that you remember even now? They are so many and they're so abstract. I mean, it's like I grew up with this one uh, story and my dad is a composer. So he he kind of gets inspired by these stories and he reads them kind of to feed his creative side and, and growing up kind of listening to them. Uh, him telling and and him actually composing for them and kind of listening to those yeah. almost like soundtracks. That's so cool. That's that that that's something very special. So the um, for example the so there is one fairy tale where three girls go to the desert and just to hang out like to to play and they're from a rich family and they all get on like their own camels and they're on their way. To like some field and it's beautiful out it's in the springtime actually the desert blooms and it's gorgeous so um so on their way and on the way one of the camels go goes crazy um it gets stung by a bee uh the youngest girl who was on that camel uh, she gets so scared she gets thrown out of the camel and she gets a stutter so they get to the end point and now the girl is stuttering and she's scared and the older sisters are like, let's let's relax. Let's like we we're here to play. Okay, right. so yeah. like let's let's sing. So they start singing, and there's this beautiful music that kind of incorporates and kind of tells their each style and their story almost. Right. Right. This is actually so a lot of these narratives actually were told musically. That's why these are so interesting for my dad because he kind of takes those musical pieces and they're very ancient and very interesting and he incorporates them into his orchestral very classical westernized music mm. anyway so um so while they were singing behind the hill there was a young man he's just a shepherd he's not rich or anything okay. he you know he's in euphoria because it's beautiful weather and there's gorgeous ladies right there singing right. beautiful music and and then he sees a rain cloud and it's coming towards them and he's like oh my god this is about to ruin the whole moment and so he picks up his instrument and he starts playing to the to the skies and his flute tells a poem to the skies mm. which says even if you're gonna rain honey don't rain don't ruin this moment okay. and there is so much more it's very poetic and um and the girls hear him sing and this music heals the stutter of the youngest girl wow so um the power of music and you know poetry in this music and i mean it's it's yeah. so so romantic it's so it's so it's so like sweet i don't know yeah, <laughs> i don't know what like the that. word to explain but these are the stories that i grew up with no that's great and um yeah i'd like to kind of incorporate that maybe into my films well that's we'll really see. great because then it it shows like the culture that you had that people here haven't experienced what is a project that you were really really proud of there there have been a few um I mean, so I come from a background in painting, and then I did dance, and then I did film, and now I'm going into something something completely different, I guess. Um, and in each of those little careers that I've had, I've had something very, something that really has pushed me, pushed me forward and built the person who I am today. Um, I think something that really made me proud was really Last year, I went back to Turkmenistan, and my visa expired in the United States, and I lived here for eight years. And I was slightly depressed because I was like, oh my god, I have my this career, and Turkmenistan doesn't have a film ministry. What am I going to do? So I got to Turkmenistan, and 
this director of the top advertising agency offered me to start basically a studio and to build the video department and head it and eventually maybe even make it own company and lead it as the, the director of the company. So that was an incredible opportunity that I had. And last year what I did was I, uh, I found 20 people and uh, there's no film industry. These people are all self-taught videographers or whoever they are, and I taught them certain jobs. So I taught one guy to be a director, another guy to be a producer, another guy to be a cinematographer, another guy to be you know, a lighting technician, another mm. guy to be a uh, behind-the-scenes guy, another guy to be a composer. You know, and I, so I, I mentored all these people and I feel like all of the projects that we were able to do together and accomplish and see them see how it is possible and see in their eyes um, this drive and, and you know the hunger for knowledge was really the accomplishment that I feel like my biggest accomplishment um, kind of bringing that knowledge to them and kind of letting them grow as artists themselves so it was really it was really inspiring and motivating to see that this is possible and that I can actually make this possible where were you five years ago I'm interested in a specific amount of time ago um, because just your diverse background I feel like it'll be a really interesting story so five years ago it was 2011 and I was location managing a professor's film it was my sophomore year, and this professor believed in me that I could lead a department. And he he gave me the opportunity to kind of be the boss of the locations department. Um, and and it was incredibly difficult. It was it's very difficult, but I actually enjoyed it. I mean, it came a lot of these. It's so funny, I, like finding the locations and actually locking them and talking to the people was the easiest part. Okay. <laughs> but then managing it and making sure that my crew, like my team, wasn't going to destroy the location was the hardest part. <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. But that experience was so incredible, and I'm so thankful to this professor. His name is Professor Hofstein, and he um, he still encourages me and believes in me. He was the toughest professor that I've ever had, um, and I'm so thankful for him for that. And the thing is. Right after this, I applied for... So my mom, in 2001, my mom actually also was in the United States for a year. She was doing Fulbright at Emory University. She was doing research on cerebral cancer. And she was in Atlanta, and I was in Savannah. So we're in the same state. And actually, my university, SCAD, has a campus in Atlanta, but they don't have a film department there. Mm -hmm. So my mom was like, why aren't you in Atlanta? You need to move here and live with me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking into like Atlanta. What am I going to do there? The headquarters of Turner Broadcasting is there. And it's Cartoon Network, Adult Swim is right there. So I was like, maybe I should apply for an internship. So I applied for the internships and I spoke to some of the professors and they were like, oh, you're just a sophomore. I don't think you're going to get it. A lot of people actually told me I'm not going to get it. And then I got it. <laughs> so I started my internship at Adult Swim. And I got to work with them for six months um, starting January, five years ago. But All right. Well, I think that that's the time. So thank okay. you so much for coming in and chatting with me. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. My name is Francesca Rodriguez. I'm a second year at IT. Wonderful. If there's one thing that you recommend everybody see 
what would that be? Well, I will always say like you should go to South America and I know somebody called me the other day that I was kind of the captain of Peru, but <laughs> I will always recommend Peru because I love my country. And I think, yeah, if I say South America, it's because I feel it's a really good combination and it's a place of where you can find like so many different things and the vibes are so amazing that you actually can feel motivated about doing a lot of stuff and you see a lot of things in nature and you see a lot of like art which is growing a lot and I think that's really really amazing and encouraging for people. I think that people that haven't been there are really curious about it. I guess like maybe they have a more more idea about Central America but I feel South America is still different from Central America so I think it's really interesting. In New York have you gotten a sense of sort of what the impressions are? I think they have the impression that we have good food and there's also the impression that we are like really enthusiastic and that we love dancing and we are like really kind of hyper and electric all the time. I think that's, that's, that's what I feel for my friends, like probably most of the friends I've met here. But I also feel that they see us as, for us it's really important to be here, like it's not something common, like if you talk about education, like I feel going outside of, for example, Peru to have education like here, it's, it's still a privilege. And I think that's something like really important for us. Have a lot of your friends come to do school in the States? I feel now more people want to do it, but it's also a thing about access. I was talking about this with a teacher the other day, like we grew up in the 90s thinking that our goal in life was to get out of Peru and come to the US. That was like our Peruvian dream. <laughs> and then now it's completely different because we feel that we want to go back and do things. So most of my friends that are leaving to come here and study are doing it with the thinking like maybe I can do that and stay a couple of years and maybe I could go back. But there's a lot of problems still with access. And also with people that think that, ah, is it worth it? Like if I'm still in a position where I'm making money, like should I stop doing that and try to go outside and get into this huge loan? Because like the amount you pay here is huge for us. Uh, I think that's the only thing that sometimes makes people know. Like, think more about it. Do you think he'll end up going back or sticking around? I'm sure it's... It's funny because when I moved here, I said, okay, it's a school ITP, two years. After two years, I'm back home. And then I started spending more time here and I always wanted to live in New York. So that was one of the reasons why I chose NYU and why I chose ITP. And then time started passing and I realized, wow, this place is amazing. There are so many things that are being done here that we don't even hear about in Peru. And now, like, I don't want to go back as soon as I graduate, that's true. Um, I would love to stay one or two more years, but I think that eventually I will want to go back. So what is it that you really like about New York? Um, I think people here, I love how many cultures you can have in one space. That's, that's amazing. And New York has always been like my favorite city in the world. Since the first time I came here, I was really impressed by that. And I see it every day, like I live in a place where a lot of Puerto Ricans live, but if you walk like two blocks after you will see a whole new community and if you walk two blocks to the other side you will see that and I think it's amazing how this city can bring all of that and somehow I think it brings the best of everything so actually if you wanna I was talking with a friend that he works in finance and he's like everything is here and I'm like oh my god for what I do everything is here as well so it's like everything like the best things are concentrated here and that's why you want to stay here. Was there a time of adjustment or was your transition fairly mm -hmm. easy? I think it was easy for me. I'm really, I mean, I get used to places really, really fast mm -hmm. and it's really easy for me to make friends and I love meeting people. So I think for me it was easy, but anyway, like I used, back home I was living with my mom, so actually like 
doing by myself here and then trying to get in charge of a lot of logistic administrative stuff that I hate doing, like paying rent and like you have to pay the cable and you have to pay the Wi-Fi <laughs> and I always forget about that and do your grocery shopping. I don't know, like things I kind of did a little bit before, but I was used to have someone doing that for me. So that was probably what I needed to get used to, but I think it's so important. I feel like I grew so much in many senses since I moved here. And I also think something I love, and it has to be a lot with IKP as well, is that. So I feel so comfortable, but when I say comfortable, I also like being in a place where I feel that each day is like a new, like a new thing to do. Like it's not comfortable in the sense like I feel I feel amazing here, but I also feel that it's a new challenge every day. And I think that's something I feel at ITP and something I feel in New York as well. That's still the case in your second year at ITP. I feel that will never stop. That will never stop. And one of the reasons why I wanted to come was also because I started feeling really comfortable in the place where I was. Like I was doing really well. It's not that I hated my job. I had my group of friends. I had. I think my life was really going really, really well. But I started feeling comfortable with that, which is something that's really easy in Lima. <laughs> And then I realized I didn't want that. And I kind of got scared of, if I feel comfortable, am I going to stay doing the same thing forever? Then no, I need to move and change. And I'm trying to push all my friends to do the same. Mm -hmm. So it's like, each time one of them complains with me, like, oh, no, again, my job, or again, this, blah, blah. I'm like, get out of there. Like, get out of there. You need to really get out of there. And then you'll come back and you'll be a better person. And do you, do you seek that out? In New York and ITP, or does that sort of just come with living here and with attending a program as challenging and interesting as ITP? Um, I think ITP has a lot to do with it. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure that if I, if I will be studying something different, I mean, probably I will feel something similar, but I'm completely convinced that ITP is the more weirdest but amazing place. And there's something you see that in common from everyone, like everyone coming from different backgrounds. And not only backgrounds, like different lives. Like, even my closest friends here, we all grew up in completely different places, completely different situations. Like, our story is completely different. But somehow we all get fit, ended up being here, and there's something in common with, with that. How did you find out about ITP? It's funny. I, so I was, I was a TV producer, and at the same time I was working in many educational programs. I was teaching at a university. And I was doing a show about uh, literature. So we were creating like 24-minute visual pieces of Alice in Wonderland, uh, The Little Prince, or different books. And we started receiving a lot of feedback from the audience telling us like, well, thank you so much because you made my kid come and tell me, hey, mom, I want to read this book. And I thought like, well, such a powerful tool to change some things in society. And then I, I realized that I, I wanted to go and study somewhere else and I wanted to learn more tools. And I, saw, I always was a fan of NYU, and I went to come to New York, I started searching here. So I came, and actually when I came, I never saw ITP, I went directly to the film department. And then suddenly I just was, I was searching in the Teach webpage, and I found ITP. I was like, what's this? I never saw this. And the first class I saw was a class called Design for UNICEF. And I was like, what's this? And then I read the description, and I read like, yeah, we're designing solutions to solve the biggest um, UNICEF challenges. I was like, that's amazing, like, that, that's what I want to do. And then I started reading the, list, the, the rest of the classes, and they were like all these really crazy names, but they seemed so much fun. I was like, this is the place. And then I spent the whole year just putting all my energy in the fact that I wanted to come here. And everything that involved with leaving the job and moving here, and, and that, that's how I got here. What are some of the projects 
and sort of ideas that you've explored since being here that have been most interesting to you? It's funny, for example, one of the things I didn't know I was going to explore, and it doesn't make sense, people tell me, why you didn't know that? I was like, I didn't know I was going to learn how to program. I read like computational media, yeah, I don't know, we use the computers, but I never thought it was actually coding. And then I started realizing how big the tool is, like, and I don't consider myself a programmer, or like, it's not like my biggest skill at all, but the fact that you can find stories in everything, like even using coding, I think that's that's amazing. And then, yeah, I kind of reinforced the idea that I wanted to work more, more with social innovation. And, and I started exploring the concept of humanitarian design. What is it? Like, oh my God, what happens if I actually give an Arduino to six-year-old kids? Like, what can they create? Or how many amazing things are being created with energy or um, global change? Everything will, using these kind of tools. So I think that's what I've kind of explored the most. But at the same time, I think I let myself explore more artist stuff like I never went to art school before I studied communications even though it was kind of related it was not art school and I think that that's something really interesting and you realize that's the best environment for you to learn so I feel that I'm letting myself also explore that side which is making me feel more connected like even with the way I perceive things mm -hmm. and I think that makes myself like more willing to decide for other people and I think that's amazing have you surprised yourself here? I love, yeah. After the first semester ended, I was like, I, I, how did I do that? I think I was really, I was, I was really surprised of what I, I realized I could do. And that's a really cool feeling. <laughs> I was talking that with my roommate yesterday. I was like, ah, it's super easy. Like, if you go to a career where you, you are just doing like two plus two, it's always going to be four. But here's a really creative environment where challenging yourself to like create new ideas and even like had to face the creative process of seeing your ideas like go down and then you need to come out with something different and you need to then you try to make it and it doesn't work and then you have to do it again that's really challenging and i think that's the best thing of being here mm -hmm. it's a really strange journey and like the motivation people have for being here it's so contagious and and it's amazing and that's why I smile every day and I feel like being here is like yeah it's work and sometimes you are complaining oh my god I have to do these assignments and this assignment but it's so much fun that you just need to I always say like embrace ITP and enjoy it because as soon as it ends you're gonna miss it so much and I feel one of the moments where I realized this was a true community was after my first uh, winter show when I actually saw everyone like cleaning the whole floor because this floor completely changed and then I saw like Schiffman and like Dano and all absolutely all the faculty just cleaning and picking up chairs the same way I was doing I was like this is a true community like we are all the same here this is a group of people where I actually care about my projects but I also care as well for other people's projects because it's about the ITP community it's not about me so yeah yeah it's amazing That's, so that's good. My, I'm Grant Allen Henry. So any combination is, an actual, is, is an actual name. Alan, Alan Grant Henry. <laughs> Henry Grant Allen. What was uh, what was Alan Henry Grant like in high school? Alan Henry Grant in high school. I was. You know, I was a basketball player, so I was one. I was one of the jocks. Okay. Um, but, but I was was very quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I still am pretty quiet, pretty pretty introverted. Mm -hmm. um, when you went to college, <laughs> did you know what you wanted to study? No, I had no idea. Okay. 
Okay. And then uh, talk about, like, when did you start to realize, like, oh, maybe I'm interested in this. What, what did that end up being, actually, first of all? What did you end up being interested I in? I mean, I'm still not sure what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, initially, initially I was an architect major. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in architecture. Uh, and then I switched to business. I was in business for a little while. And then I switched to, let's see, media arts. Um, so then I actually finished, I think I graduated with two... A double major in media arts and communication, and a double minor in theater and business. Wow. Um, I spent five years. God, I think I finished with 180 credits. <laughs> so it's not. Which, which you only needed 120 credits to graduate. So. <laughs> like half a graduate. So, so, so literally, it was just like, I enjoyed school. Um, yeah, I just I just like to, to learn. That, that, you know, I had a lot of friends who were sort of, you know, they were on a track and they wanted to go to medical school. You know, they wanted to be in business. It was just like, I wasn't sure what. But it doesn't I, I seem wanted. like, is it that you didn't know what you wanted or that you were interested in so much? I think, I think, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, that I definitely had so many different interests that it was hard to narrow down exactly what I wanted. So I think that's why I ended up with so many majors and so mm-hmm. many minors. And then, you know, I went on, I got a master's in film um, back in 2011. Uh, and then here I am. Again, graduate school. <laughs> and, what, and, and I was in another master's program last year. And what was that master's program? program? Uh, over at Seinhart, uh, Digital Media Design for Learning. Okay. Um, so sort of, because I had worked in education for about eight or nine years, and I was sort of, you know, trying to bridge the gap between the two. And You worked in education? I worked in education, yes. You were a teacher? I was a teacher. I was a teacher, a preschool teacher and a preschool director for yeah, eight, eight, nine years. A director as well? What does that entail? A director. So I actually, and that's part of the reason why I moved out here. Um, It's sort of a family thing. That's sort of how I got into it. Um, My mom was in charge of the school, and she's actually looking in and retiring pretty soon. Okay. And I was sort of next in line to take over, and I just couldn't do it. I I couldn't. Like, I love so many aspects um, of being in a preschool environment. You know, being one male with 30 women female teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's a unique experience. I mean, especially being able to work with children who, you know, may not have a, a male figure in their life. Um, this was you know, here in the city? This, this was in Arizona. This is in Arizona. Arizona. Where are you from? Where I'm from. Okay. Yep. From Tucson. And, yeah, I mean, it, it really, yeah, started out as literally a teacher's assistant, sort of just worked my way up. Yeah, I went to grad school for the one year film, came back. Um, was, was that a, a point of contention at all with your mom? Like, she, was she okay? Oh, no, no, no. She's, yeah, my, see, my parents have been very supportive with everything that I've done, every single decision that I've made. Um, and they know that I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 33 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of, one of the old men in this program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hurt in the morning. I had to do my stretches this morning for a good 20 minutes just so I could get out of bed. Do you, do you feel like you're working towards something? Do you feel like there's, uh, that there's some sort of uh, clarity for you? or There's still not clarity. Um, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm still just... Figuring it out. What are the things as of now? And there can literally be as many as you want. Yeah, really yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, sports, fitness mm-hmm. um, are two of the big ones. Always wanted to, like, acting has always been a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always wanted to. I've always been too scared. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've always been obsessed with the entertainment industry. I mean, I lived in LA for about a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, those, say those three, I mean, I knocked education off officially. Okay. Not that, you know, I can say officially, but you never know. Maybe have that desire in the next year to, yeah. to teach again. Yeah. 
Um, but I say those those are pretty much the three main sports fitness and something entertainment based. And you talked about fear for a second, and I know from a previous conversation that you had made a, a documentary about sort of fear right. as your thesis for grad school, right? As my thesis for grad school, yeah. So tell right. us a little bit about that. Cause, uh, so for my thesis for grad school, I actually focused on documentary filmmaking. Okay. And you know, I saw a lot of my friends, like documentary filmmaking for me wasn't, you know, necessarily the genre that I would typically have picked, um, but, you know, I saw my friends that were spending tens of thousands of dollars for their narrative, and then was like, all right, documentary film, I can just take a camera, I can shoot, it doesn't need to be lit correctly, sound doesn't have to be great, I can go on this exploration, so I started thinking, just like, all right, what's something I can do where, you know, I'm spending money, and I'm actually sort of enjoying myself actually possibly tackling a fear, mm-hmm. um, and so I've had a fear of heights mm-hmm. um, for pretty much my entire life. Um, so I created a, a documentary where I sort of ventured from going on top of my roof for the very first time to actually bungee jumping from the Grand Canyon. And that, um, what was what was scariest? In, in, of all those fears inside, scary. what was the scariest? Was it scarier to overcome the first obstacle of like, I mean, getting on this roof? Yeah, I mean, I mean, going on the roof is definitely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thankfully, again, with my parents, you know, they were so supportive. I mean, they were there pretty much every step of the way. Um, that and I went on a hot air balloon ride for the very first time. Wow! Um, so that, that was cool. That was cool. Um, and then yeah, the, the bungee jumping like it was it was something you know it was. I remember that morning. Um, I was ready to back out and sort of had my parents that they convinced me. It was just like you know like you're, you got to this point, just go for it. How did um, it feel after you got back up from the bungee? I mean, it happened so quickly. Like I could still picture standing on the rail. You know, it was, you know, obviously an organized little yeah. um, expedition. Um, there were about 20 people that jumped. And, you know, they're obviously spectators and whatnot. And you just hear them, you know, counting down. About 10, 9, you know, all the way. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> terrifying. And then you just jump. And then you realize, like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like, like it really, like, a, you know, what's cool with the documentary, you know, I had a GoPro that was actually attached to, I think it was attached to my head or... Oh, no, it was attached to my wrist. Okay. Um, so it just blind luck, you know, obviously looking at the footage afterwards, actually caught my face. Oh, you could, and you could see, like, the first time where I just truly was happy. Like, wow. This, like, this was just pure happiness, just the biggest smile on my face. And it was just like, man, it's like I just conquered it. Like, like it was something I'd never seen before. I, That's I, amazing. I, yeah, yeah. But what's, what's even kind of more amazing about that is that I feel like... There's a bigger fear usually in, if I'm being, uh, I guess you would call it sexist, a bigger fear in men of emotional vulnerability. And you filmed your emotional vulnerability, because I imagine there was a lot of emotional vulnerability no, in overcoming a fear, but yet that wasn't the deterrent for you, right? right, right. You had no fear of filming yourself being vulnerable. Right. Do you find it, are, are you a particularly emotional person? Ah, oh, I'm so emotional. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm such an emotional guy. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I do, I get it, I get it from both my parents and my brother. I mean, we're a very, very close family. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we cry, we're not ashamed to cry. Mm-hmm talk about we talk about our feelings mm-hmm. that like that's something that you know I think it, it took me a while and say until my like mid-20s where I got to the point where it's just like I can open up and mm-hmm. it's free to be able to talk about what's 
travel around Europe to talk about like the good times. Sure. Well. Yeah. Did you feel like that was kind of at odds with your introvertedness, though? I mean, it's. I, I think, in a way, it was at odds. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable in situations before. You know, five, ten years ago, I mean, I could never live in New York City. No, no, that's like I could never live in New York City. Why not? I just, I just wouldn't be able to make it. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't be able to make it. Like, still, sometimes I, I wonder. I wake up in the morning. I'm just like, man. I still in New York City. Like, what am I? What am I doing to myself? So you want to get out of here at this point? I mean, I go back and forth. Okay. I go back and forth. You know, I've been here now for just over a year, mm-hmm. and you know, I see how many advantages it has. I also see the, the disadvantages. For sure. Some, for someone who's introverted, you know, pretty high anxiety. Someone who doesn't necessarily like to be around people. I'm around people <laughs> all, all the time. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. I mean, I've got a tiny little studio out in uh, Cobble Hill, and that's actually so perfect for me okay. because that is such a family-oriented neighborhood where sure. you know, everything closes at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I get home at 11, no one's on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's nice. Like It doesn't feel like I'm in New York City, and then obviously I come down to Manhattan, and I come it is that I go and it's just like just it's constantly hustle, running hustle. into people yeah so I mean it's, it's, it's something that's still, it's still an adjustment but I mean I think long term I mean obviously depending on what happens after this program mm-hmm. you know who knows but ultimately I'd like to be back on the West Coast okay. thanks for listening to this week's episode of ITP's podcast Stay tuned for next week where we're going to introduce more students and their stories. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to be a part of it, reach out to Alex Fast, Chris Hall, Patrick Presto, or Laura Carey. We'll see you next week.